0: Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say that our guest is Neil Miller. Uh, Neil is from the podcast Work
1: Minus. Neil, welcome to the show. Welcome, Richard. I am indeed a human, so i qualify to be on the show, right? Absolutely. So, fellow podcaster,
0: Neil, um, tell us a bit about Work Minus and the, the history and, and actually the name. It's an interesting one.
1: Let's start yeah, there. Uh- Work minus is something uh we started about a, a year and a half ago it was It was really a project to to get into the minds of what what's the zeitgeist around what people are talking about about work We knew that uh you know we're we're kind of at an age where we're trying to to build new work structures, but we still have a lot of old stuff left over from the industrial age um from all sorts of uh things from white supremacy to uh, command and control management that just really don't belong in in the workplace anymore. Um, so we wanted to examine what those things were. We've interviewed about seventy five people now, um, really just trying to to get their input, get their expertise on what's going on and 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 what it is. And so we've we've identified themes that we like to to talk about. <clears throat> but I think that the biggest thing for us with work minus what it's become now is we're big into technology. So we talk a lot about tech and how that impacts the workforce. But of course, the big looming threat is always, everyone's talking about AI, talking about machine learning, automation, and how that's coming for everyone's jobs, type things. So we've probably talked about 10, 10 of our guests have been specifically on that topic. And you know, no one, no one feels like, okay, this, this threat is imminent, like it's gonna happen in the next five years, that we're all gonna be out of work. But everyone is, says, we have some big decisions to make um we can't let our, our current path keep going as it is without being very cognizant of it and being aware of what's going on and for for us as a team with work minus we took that as say, okay you know this is the time when we need to figure out how to be better humans at work um because if we're really going to succeed we can't compete with with machines and with robots we have to get really good at what we're good at and so so then we said okay well, what does that mean um, so the rest of our show is all about trying to, to dive into what does it mean to be a good human at work? Um, how do we, uh, pursue that and how do we get better at that? So that, that's a, an overview of what we do.
0: Right. Okay. Well, um, yeah,
1: I'd love to get into
0: that, that theme of, of, of being a better human and, and so on. Um, and maybe before we go there, let's talk a little bit about AI. So some of these threats aren't imminent, but what do you see as the sort of the, the current trends in terms of how it's in. Crouching into the work workspace and interfacing with us at, us at work?
1: I mean, anything that, that's, uh, that really can be automated uh, on some level, I think should be uh, for the sake of a business um, in terms of tasks that are just kind of passing data back and forth between systems. Um, some people's jobs for a long time was just data transfer, data entry. Um, humans are really notoriously bad at that and machines are really good at that and they do it at a lot faster pace. Um, so anything that has to do with data transfers is, is long, you know, very quickly going to be moving in that sector. Um, really anything that has to do with process management, um, understanding how things move from one piece to another, um, that kind of transfer has to be automated. Uh, lots of things in terms of banking, the FinTech industry is being heavily automated at this point. Uh, A lot of customer service things you're seeing more bots that you're interacting with uh, less actual agents, unless it becomes an escalated issue. Uh, So, and, and basically every area you're, you're seeing how we're we're starting to take these big steps. And I'd say we've been taking these steps for the last hundred years. You know, things have been uh, given over to machines at some point, whether it be farming or other things, it's just starting to happen at a lot faster rate and things we didn't expect to happen are starting to happen now in terms of decision-making, not just brute force, like, let a robot do that. But even um, intellectually, it's taking over a lot of that work.
0: Right. And and from those interviews, is it, was there anything that shocked you? Were you like, oh, oh, wow, that's a bit closer than I thought it was? Or, or is that really going to happen?
1: <clears throat> uh, I, I didn't, there wasn't any specific example of things that was like, oh, wow, this is, I didn't expect that. But that's also because we, we stay pretty close to, to what's going on. Um, it's almost when you talk about ai it's it's almost all it seems to be in the future uh but that that's part of our our human condition is that we get used to things so quickly um, you know autonomous cars are still a novelty right now in 5 years it'll be like oh, haven't hasn't it always been like this like we don't it, it's hard for us to to recognize as things change as quickly as they are right now um so in that way i feel like we won't even recognize it whenever most of the tasks we do today aren't aren't around anymore
0: yeah yeah i've got i've got a bet with my uh my partner we've got kids that are two two years old They mm-hmm. they won't ever learn to drive or if they do yeah. they'll do it for fun right on private land and uh so, so we have this bet and it's pretty likely right by the time they get to in 15 years time it will be here um
1: Yeah, you'll you'll need like a special permit just to drive because they don't want people to drive because that's a liability. I mean, insurance companies will shut down like they don't want any drivers on the road at that point. Exactly.
0: And the thought that they'll they'll think of us as being these kind of reckless, crazy people. You You mean you drove your own car, you crazy cat?
1: And honestly, like when I'm out on the roads and I see people like on their phones driving, you think about drunk driving, you think about all sorts of stuff. It's almost like, yeah, that that's probably true. (laughs) It is kind of crazy to have humans that are distracted and and all these things in in charge of these machines. Yeah. On the automated
0: process thing, we had a couple of guests on who, who are from the lean manufacturing side that pop and dear, husband and wife, you know, writers and thinkers in the, in the lean space. And they were saying talk, cushioning against automating processes actually. And that the problem with automation is that the process can become fixed and ossified right and actually yeah. it's important sure. to, keep humans, to some extent still involved to, to keep the thing evolving because at least right now the level of automation isn't allowing it, these systems or processes to, to sort of self-evolve right
1: yeah and, and there's a different le- types of automation of processes i mean you have like big manufacturing processes which which are obviously you know, heavy duty things that if you change one piece of it, it's going to be a big deal. So it, it does tend to calcify in that way. But if you have something that's very quick and, and agile, like um, how you produce the the this show, you know, you invite guests, you um, bring people on, you do some audio editing that goes through like, that's a, I mean, that's a process itself and there's, there's dozens of processes like that inside every organization. And if you, if you give people, humans, the tools they need to, to work with a machine and, and quickly develop a process for those things and, and let it be automated, let things go off, then they have a lot of more freedom to do other things. So I agree that you have to be careful about pushing too much automation and making it too hard and structured, but you also want a system that's, that's easy for people to use and, and doesn't require a, a highly paid programmer to come in and, and change one little thing about it right right so let's say and then on the, on the so on the flip
0: side of it then this this being better humans you know what are the themes that emerge there within within that uh, from the show
1: yeah i mean one, one theme is uh productivity um so so yeah ai is kind of like the looming threat out there um, that it's coming but along with ai we also have to realize we have to get better at working with with uh, computers, with machines and, and understanding our place and what we're bringing what the value that we bring as humans, which really comes down to the, the point of the show is what is the value that humans have and how can we um, continue to double down on that instead of trying to mimic, uh, machines, which is, and the, and the topic of productivity is a big one because in a lot of ways, when we talk about being more efficient, being more productive, uh, we, we use the same terms that we do with machines in a lot of ways. Um, So we have to find a way that in my personal life and my personal work life, how am I being more productive each day? I'm, I'm the kind of guy that if my, my wife asked me at the end of the day, like, how was your day? Like immediately my thought is how many tasks did I get done? Um, that's how I judge it. I'm just wired that way. Um, and that, that's a good thing in, in some ways and that, that I'm always trying to make sure I, I get the big things done and I, I get depressed if if I'm, my schedule is taken over by someone else. So we, we talk a lot about time management stuff and, and different things about that. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to turn into a machine myself that, yeah, I, I wrote four articles today and I got three podcasts done and, and different things like that because eventually a lot of these things you can pass over to a machine anyway. So chasing efficiency is not always the best route to go through. Um, We have to have time to step back and be unproductive and be bored. We talked about on on an episode, just sit back, do nothing for a while, be unproductive and see where that leads you because that's often where our best ideas come from. Um, So understanding the role of, of leisure in, in a human experience, and, and how that actually propels you to better thoughts. That's a, a, a big topic that we like to, to think through and, and talk about.
0: Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of, I was reading just yesterday, I think that somebody talking about uh, Darwin's schedule, right? When he, when he was writing and, he, and he, mm. he's famous for Origin of Species, but of course he wrote a multitude of books and he'd like get down to his office at eight in the morning, do a few hours, then he'd check his mail, then he'd have lunch, have a yeah. nap few hours in the afternoon and then it was kind of, you know, it's time for tea. Right. Yeah.
1: And,
0: and, and the guy was a powerhouse. So yeah, I, it, it's fascinating that uh, the, the sort of almost a fetishization of productivity we have you know, in, in, in culture today. right?
1: Yeah. We're, we're forced to in some ways just because of, uh, I mean, social media propels that, but then also all the notifications that we get. I mean, we, we live in these digital workplaces that constantly pinging us with messages, notifications, your phone is on, you're getting messages from people at work everything's coming through. So you have this kind of fake feeling of being productive. Um, but really, it's just a lot of chatter, a lot of noise that's, that's around you. Um, and so to really be able to block out those things and recognize that, you know, when you're doing your email, it's like somebody, if you spend four hours in your in your inbox every day, that's the equivalent of like just standing out by your mailbox and just sitting there for four hours and just like rummaging through mail that's coming through and saying, okay, I don't want this. I want this and then writing a letter to somebody else and sending it back. Like that's not work. That's just talking and communication and really wasting your time. So, so we we talked to one guy that was all about distractions, about digital distractions that are, that are all around us and how to get around those things. Um, so, trying to get back to what what darwin did those types of things like that's that's essential to to being a good human to recognize that there are times for work and there are times for just kind of sitting around sipping your tea and, and enjoying that too yeah
0: um and and there's been some it's also some studies of it was one of the big management consultancies where they looked at, at productivity and and beyond this 40 it was i think 40 or 50 hours basically they they discovered that all of that extra you know work was was purely performative it was just about showing a good face to the bosses and the, and the teams that the hard. there was no correlation after a certain point between hard
1: work and, and ultimate activity and performance yeah um, i find that in my own life like once i hit about six or seven hours like anything i do after that point is worthless like i may as well just stop so i need to stop get outside See other people interact and and not think about work until later, so that, that's important. And given all that, then what have
0: you? What have been the big personal shifts that you've made in how you've uh, how you sort of manage your day? And
1: <clears throat> uh, re- recently, one of the the cool things I started doing was um, so I, w- I work remotely. Um, I work with a team that's mostly based in India. Um, because of that, my day starts really early, so I have to. I'm I'm up by five at least. Um, in the winter time, sometimes earlier, but uh, I I have a lot of meetings. There's a lot of chatter that goes back and forth. It's there, but a lot of times those I found that if I have a little bit of personal work time and then going into meetings and coming back and forth was really difficult. So what we did as a team was we grouped all of our meetings just onto the, the three days uh, that was there, and then Mondays and Thursdays we were totally free of, of meetings. Um, so that that helps me a lot to look at my schedule on a Monday and there's nothing on there. Um, so it's just my time to, to work and, and to get things done. Um, so that, that's, that's been really helpful. And, and then on, on days when I have a lot of meetings, like I'm not expecting to get other tasks done so I can just kind of relax and that not expect so much for myself. Um, so that's a good one. And then I always try to start the day with, with something important. I writing's kind of like one of my core things that I do. So I always spend the first 30 minutes just doing some kind of writing to to push a project along. So those are, those are two things that help me a lot.
0: Great, yeah, um, and I also really resonate with the, the no notifications. One of my guests has written a book called Brain Chains and talks about you know how how we kind of hooked into all these devices, and he really urged me to just total notification purge, and it really yeah. transformed my life. Nothing, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nothing rings now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so productivity has been a theme in terms of being a better human, and and maybe not 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 majorly playing on that what what else has come up
1: uh, i mean one of the the surprising ones um was diversity and inclusion that came up as as a big thing um part of it was just we we found people who really wanted to talk about that and those people happened to be very generous with their network suggesting other people we should talk to and, and talk to things so um <clears throat> i feel like over the last year of talking to these people of realizing how um you know as much damage as as some things that we'll talk about later in terms of management and and command and control type styles did um, the stuff with diversity and inclusion when it comes to race, gender, sexuality, class background um these are big deals and we've we've really screwed this up in the last i don't know 1000 years um uh, of really allowing um white supremacy of male dominated cultures uh, of of really repressing and, and putting down other groups to, to really just go wild and, and really not let that be in check and so that's become a passion of ours as a team Um it's interesting you know I, like I said I work with people in India and for them to interact with a lot of these things they have you know different issues than than we do in the U.S. so it's 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 fun because most of our, our guests are either U.S. or U.K. based Um so we're talking about often talking about regional issues that are important for us, but then for, for them in India to, to reflect about these things and see how it, it plays out in their own life too, um, it has been really good for all of us to just be a lot more aware of what's going on in the world. Um, so that, that's been a, a big thing that I find myself just in my own personal reading, like that's where I'm drawn to is, is learning more about this, trying to see things from, from other people's perspective and, and why it's been such a, an issue in the past.
0: Right and so So, if we accept that that all of these issues exist what have been the the approaches that have emerged in terms of dealing with <clears> that right
1: I mean a, a lot of it is just starting off and admitting that the system's rigged for for people like us, white guys um, that come from decent backgrounds and and recognizing that we have opportunities that nobody else has and we have assumptions we can make about work that other people can't make. Um, and, and really trying to, to say that nothing, nothing will change until people with the power start to leverage it for, for others to be an ally for others, um, to start to give, give away that, that power. And and a lot of my social situations, um, one thing I've been doing recently is just trying to, to find ways to, to not be in charge of things. Uh, when people ask me to speak to, to not speak and to just listen and invite somebody else to come up um, just to recognize that there's, there's been a lot of damage and, and hurt that that's gone on in those situations. Um, like I said, from, from all aspects, uh, gender and race and, and sexuality and, and class and, and many other ways too. Um, <clears throat> but it, it's hard when you're, when you've grown up with that, when you're used to that, when everything about you has been affirming what you are and and that you work just as hard as everybody else. Uh, but then to hear other people's stories and recognize that just it's just not true and um, to really be open to those things has been impactful. So, yeah, for me, that practically just means finding ways to give up power, finding ways to affirm the women in, in the companies I work with uh, the people of color and companies I work with when I, when I'm looking for guests, making sure that, that we're being cognizant of that and making sure that we're, we're getting a diverse background and not just saying, okay, here's a black guy. So let's put him on the diversity show. But no, he he probably has something to say about leadership too, that we should listen to. And um, here's, you know, uh, uh, a, a lesbian woman that doesn't mean she can only talk about diversity that means she probably has something good to say about productivity too um so being able to to open up those doors and and just listen to people and acknowledge that they they have a different background but we should still be open to them right right and yeah i mean I,
0: this is this is this is always, it always feels like a debate to, to sort of tread carefully into um mm-hmm. But certainly some of the, the counter sort of points I've read on some of this is that, for example, East Asians in America tend to, you know, outperform whites. And so have you discovered that it's, for you Is it just about the sticking to race, is it just about whites or is it just, is it particular groups or, you know, where have you got to with that?
1: Oh, uh, new- I mean, I, I focus on on thinking about whites as a group just because that's where, I, that's the culture I come from. Um, that's where I am. Um in terms of, of Asians, you know, I, I work with Indians a lot. I don't have a lot of experience with people from, um, from China and Japan. Um, so that that's less, we haven't had a lot of guests, uh, from, from there either. So it's been less, uh, something we've interacted with. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of where we head just because that's where we see the issues being right now and something we can do something about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I would say. Right. Okay. Um,
0: So, so but for you, it's about being cognizant of where you're using your power and, and your, it's about, what is it about trying to, it's trying to be conscious of that and, and, and giving power to others in a conscious way when you're interacting is. is...
1: Yeah, I think that that's, that's fair. Um, Recognizing that as a man, as a a white man, um, I'm going to get asked to speak. I have inherent power in that I have the ability to step into situations and for someone to kind of say, okay, you, you lead this or you get the last word in the meeting or different things like that. And, and being willing to, to step out of that and to to share it with others. If I'm looking for someone to mentor in my company that um, I can be a little bit more specific about saying, yeah, I do have connections and I do have power because I can jump into conferences and, and networking meetings and, and get Advantages in, in different places. So, can I offer those? Can I leverage those to somebody else? If there's a, a young uh, <clears throat> woman working in my office that I really think has a great potential, um, do I want to make sure that she has those opportunities to to step into those same meetings um, as I do? So, yeah, just just being aware at this point, recognizing those things, and and also trying to to name things. I feel like that's really powerful um, to to call things when when there is some kind of discrimination happening, when there is some kind of uh, racist comment or sexist comment being made just to speak up about those things, that's probably the hardest thing because that's uh, you know threatening to other people around you and you don't want to uh, hurt other people's feelings or, or worry about your, your status and those things. So that, that becomes an issue, I think. Right.
0: And if you, if you had specific instances in your, your life then when you have, Experience racist comments being made, sexist comments being made.
1: I have a ton of instances where somebody said something that I didn't say something about. Um I'm I'm on a learning phase of of actually speaking up about those things because I mean we're taught not to to say anything about it. Um but again, I think it comes back to I mean, being human, being a good human. Um if we're gonna get to a better future of work, we gotta do it together. We have to acknowledge that we've got some some messiness, some ugliness in our past as a species, um, which includes everybody and to, to, to try to, we're we're not going to fix everything, but just be aware of it and not to be blind to it as we move forward to the future and make sure that the future we're building is good for everybody, not just good for the people who it's already good for, because that's honestly, that's, that's a, that's where we're at right now. Um, In a lot of ways, I feel like if, if AI really takes over in a big way, all AI is going to do is is cement everything that's true. Now, all of our values, all of our, um, the equality that we have, basically everything gets frozen at this moment. And do we have the kind of society right now that we want to perpetuate for the next hundred years? Um, for me, I would say, no, I don't feel like we're there yet. I feel like we're still at a place where uh, people with my background have tons more advantages. And if, if we just let that play out, then, um, that's not building a better future. So I think, for me, that that's the impetus and why this is an important topic for us, is that to, to really build that better future has to include everybody and has to rework some of those those advantages. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that
0: when you brought it back to situations where you hear someone being racist, I can empathize that. I remember a, a car journey back from a men's weekend once, and there was five of us in the car and one of the guy was making racist comments, not really racist jokes. It was, it was just, just straight up racism. Right. And, and I said, no, I sat in the car kind of all kind of older than me. And I, and I came out of the car and kind of felt really awkward and like a bit dirty almost. And like, Oh God, I didn't say, you know, and yeah, I mean, I have to say those incidents have been rare in my life, but Yeah that's yeah. that's sort of rather hits the road with this conversation is it we can talk about you know the sort of inequality economic inequality and, and privilege and all of these terms but it's it's actually those moments in life isn't it where the, where these things actually kind of viscerally impact
1: yeah and it, it's helped me i've the one book i'm reading right now called white fragility um by robin d'angelo has been, has been really good for me and other books as well but just to see like yeah, everyone has maybe a story like that where they got an uncle or they got a friend that's saying something like that and we feel kind of awkward about it. But the point that a lot of these other um, speakers and authors make is that, look, it, the whole system's baked in to to um, to benefit white men for the most part, at least for, for, my, for my culture. Um, so we can't just say, hey, that was one racist comment I've heard. When you live in a system that... that at least from the outside looks like it's, it's built to discriminate against other people and doesn't give people equal advantage, you know? So that that's been helpful for me to to recognize that it's, it's bigger than just, it is those comments. Like you said, that is where the rubber hits the road. We have to be able to call those things out, but we also have to call out when I look around my neighborhood, which is a well-off neighborhood and there's just white families around here. Like something happened to cause that. It's not just like, it just naturally occurred like that. Um, so being able to, to see those things too. Right, right, yeah, but when you
0: get into that that that's that's uh yeah that becomes a sort of certainly for me it becomes a much more abstract conversation, um, sure. but it feels to me like the, 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 the having that courage in the moment to call out and say, hey uh, I'm not okay with that comment that's mm, yeah, you know, I think for a lot of individuals, certainly for me for me i don't know it's true brother, that feels to me like that's where the biggest growth opportunity for me in terms of evolving my myself is right
1: yeah i totally agree with that absolutely and that's that's where you know we we can do that like that's that's a goal for me i guess in this next year is to to really be able to be comfortable with that and be willing to lose relationships even like if i did that in a group of guys like there's a good chance that one or two of them like wouldn't invite me to the next weekend um because hey you're the guy that always talks about race um but you know that's that's the other advantage. Is I have I can go find other friends. Um, that's like that too. So it is it is tough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've talked productivity. We've talked inclusion,
0: diversity. Um, yeah. What else? What else emerge on this being a better
1: better human? Uh, I think uh, we 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 use the term human leadership, um, as as a topic, which you know there's so many, so much written about leadership. It's out there everywhere. But when it comes down to the fact of like in the future, the work that's assigned to you will probably be given by uh, a system of some point. Um, a lot of the major policy decisions will, will likely be determined by AI to some extent. So <clears throat> when all these things start moving over to systems, like what is it that that I need a human to lead me in? Um, how how does that that work? Um, so recognizing the, the core roles that, that humans play in leading each other and, and inspiring and giving hope and giving vision. Um, <clears throat> we wrote an article about, you know, uh, imagine a group of robots sitting around and they need to make a hire and they decide to hire a human for a certain role. Like, what role is that? What What is it that robots find very valuable about what humans can do for each other um, in terms of, of being empathetic of of understanding where systems are coming from and understanding how to, how to lead them uh, in new places. So a lot of the guests we we invite on, they talk about uh, just the, the idea of, uh, of management in general came about because, you know, we had all these machines in the industrial age and we had to hire all these workers and those workers were, were dumb and stupid. And so we had to put people in charge of them to make sure that they were less dumb and stupid and, and did what they were supposed to do. Um, and that kind of got transferred over to the office knowledge worker environment uh, to say, hey, I got all these people. I got all these software engineers. They're all dumb. They don't know what they're doing. So I need to hire somebody to put in charge of them to tell them what to do and to tell them how to do it. Um, and no one no one, actively thought that when it was happening. But the system that we inherited was built for that. Um, so we, we had a, a guy named David Marquet come on. He was a um, submarine commander. It was oh, really
0: interesting. I his book. Yeah, turn the God.
1: ship around. Awesome. Well done for getting him. It was just really powerful to think about the fact of like here's the most hierarchical organization in the world, probably in, in terms of uh, the US military, the US Navy. Um and yet he recognized pretty early on that like if I'm in charge and I'm making all the decisions, like we will fail. Like this is this is not gonna work. So really trying to turn it around and and say, okay, how can we distribute decision making? How can we be better as a team? And so his, his thoughts were really impactful to me to, to really see kind of how we can, can make leadership better in that way.
0: Right. So distributing, decision-making, um, anything else that comes up in terms of making leadership better?
1: <clears throat> a lot of it comes into like where, where are we going in the future? What's, what's the vision um, that looks like? Like robots will be great at forecasting numbers and saying, okay, we, we produced this many widgets, this, this quarter, we should be producing this many widgets next quarter. Like I don't need a human to tell me that, but I do need a human to say, okay, this is, this is where we are as a company. These are the products we're making now. Um, it's likely that we'll be going this way or we need to shift this way, or we need to, uh, to think about this thing or, or notice something new because I, I think, you know, Human humans we naturally find trends we find patterns I have, we had Beth Comstock come on um, who has a great book about imagination about the need to not be productive um, so being able to to see those things out in the in the future and realize hey there's a there's a pattern coming that a robot can't identify yet humans are great at finding those patterns and then teaching the robots but robots can't find the patterns on their own the new ones that don't exist yet. Um, so I feel like that's that's a big element of leadership is being able to inspire and find the patterns and delete lead people in, into vision. Um, <clears throat> but there's there's also just the element of empathy, sitting down, listening to somebody, um, hearing what they're going through, understanding it, being a, a genuine listener, uh, because that's something that management has been taught not to do. The the workers are supposed to listen to the managers. That's that's the way it's it's set up. Um, but in a a true human team. It's the manager that needs to be listening to the people that are closest to the problem, the people that are are interacting with with the issues. Um, so making a shift on that level too, I think is an important change in how we be better humans as leaders.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean my, my last guest actually was talking about about belonging. Um, Devin Halliday and and he, he was making precisely that point about the importance of listening to other stories as a leader, uh listening to the stories of the people in your team. And then pulling out of that the values inherent in those stories, sharing them around, um, opening up dialogue, engaging. So yeah, a very different set of, um, skills, characteristics than we might normally associate with, with the leader.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the, the role of the leader will be more specialized <clears throat> in the future. Like you will, you will hire, like right now, people become a manager because they're good at their job and, if you're good at doing your job then you can probably teach others how to do that job and manage other people like that's that's pretty much the the qualification to become a manager but I feel like at least my hope is that in the future the actual role of of manager or leader or whatever that ends up being called is someone who's who's just genuinely good at connecting with people and that's their that's their core specialty um and they can they can really use that as as as, as leverage in a company to do what they need to do and everyone else gets hired to to do a special, a specific job. And some people just have that, that training and, and knowing exactly how to lead other people.
0: Right. Um, you said something there, which, which I found interesting. So, so there's this view that humans are good at finding spot, spotting patterns, but presumably the AI also has to be good at spotting patterns if it's going to forecast you know, future sales of widgets. So is it, is there, is there a different class of patterns that humans are likely to be particularly good at?
1: yeah and and I'm not an AI expert, so I may be totally off on this but my my perception is that um ai is is fantastic at spotting patterns when you teach it what the pattern is so if if I give an AI machine a million f- photographs <clears throat> and i I teach it over and over again which ones are dogs like which ones look like dogs um, after I teach it you know maybe a thousand uh, images of dogs then it it can do it Forever, it's always going to pick the dog, and it's going to be great at it. And it's going to spot that pattern, and it's going to identify when something kind of looks like a dog or, or doesn't quite look like a dog. Um, but if I were to tell that AI machine, like, you know, I, I want you to to find a pattern, to find, you know, some some new species that I, I think is out there but doesn't quite exist. Like, it, it doesn't deal well with that kind of fuzziness um, of of saying. It's going to ask you, okay, teach me how to do that, and I can do it. Um, the the machine learning aspect of it is still in the in the sense of like you have to teach it what the pattern is or teach it many different patterns in the past to be able to to spot those things and then it can do it um, but whereas humans we we come up with new patterns all the time uh, we we make connections that that haven't been made before uh, when we're at our best self which is another thing I feel like we need to get better at is to to exist and saying, yeah, th- these patterns have, have been there, but here's a new one. Here's a new trend that that's there. Um, so you see things like um, the you know, people who make Spotify playlists, like they're, they're spotting patterns. They're they're finding things. Now, eventually, you can teach what somebody is doing there to uh, a system, probably, but it's very difficult, and it's it's going to be harder. And then those people will go on to to spot new patterns and and find new things and find new ways to to bring in ideas. I think fashion is always going to be something that it's going to be difficult for uh, um, AI as a, as a whole to to surpass humans. I think I can see a future where it's possible, but I feel like it's going to be difficult to to match their ability to to see patterns and and to create trends and to find those things. So that that's the distinction for me.
0: Right, right. Well, it actually ties into some somebody writing more of the dystopian level of, of AI and talking about that. <clears throat> AI will continue to automate um, sort of low IQ, if you like, activities, and it will it will only be the sort of the very high high IQ type uh, activities where precisely this pattern matching mat- match little pattern spotting ability is going to be uh, important. That um, will still have a role in the workplace, and we'll actually continue this this uh this this problem of inequality because it, it will be really be the super intelligent who will be able to engage productively in the economy in the economy have you had anybody put that case on the podcast or have you, have you heard that argument
1: you know what i actually had uh, almost the opposite thing in terms of how we we classify jobs uh, i had a guy named um, um byron reese who is the editor for Giga Ohm. Um, we talked about like what jobs would likely be automated and what jobs would likely not be automated, and he thought that one of the safest jobs out there in terms of no automation is going to come that way was a plumber. Um, he said the the amount of specification for somebody to walk into a house or a building or an office building, and and figure out what's wrong um to analyze that based on all the different things that have ever gone wrong to use that person's experience that they've ever learned like that's a that's a highly specialized field and not something that's everyday's different everyday's i mean they're always working with pipes and water but every situation they walk into is is a different situation or somebody who's a carpenter somebody who builds things somebody who's a welder um often the the level of of newness in their work is is so fresh each day that it's very unlikely that's it's it's even cost effective to to build uh, an an ai machine that can do the jobs that those people are doing um so from his perspective office work will be gone long long before that type of work will be going so it really brings another viewpoint into you know what what are these intelligent tasks that are out there? Um, and a lot of it's just our fault as a society that we turned and we said, okay, these are kind of low-level jobs. If you can't get into a good college, you can go to a trade school and, and be there. So we've we've attached that stigma onto those types of jobs, which doesn't need to be there. Um, we can still look at those jobs as very valuable and um, very rewarding, and and jobs that really require some element of, of unique human ability to to do well.
0: Right. Well, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I actually read that as well. And, and, and therapists were likely to, to survive for a while at least.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And until we get tired of listening to each other. And then uh, I think, I think that's one area I I can actually see an AI machine that, and I think I've read experiments where it's just, they're kind of feeding back the information back to somebody, even at a low level AI, where it's just kind of repeating the, the answer somebody gave them and said, what do you think about that? Um, and people found that very effective in some ways. So, so yeah, there's, it's, it's always dangerous to say, yeah, this job will never be taken over by, by AI, but there are some that will go faster than others for sure. Okay.
0: Um, so we've talked about leadership. We've
1: talked about inclusion and diversity. We've talked about productivity. Yeah. Another one, another one for us is workplaces. Um, because we where we work has changed so much um we have people like 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 me who do remote work uh from our home and we also have people who are still co-located we still have big buildings where people go and and work we have co-working spaces where people from different organizations are, are together so we have the physical nature of it you have the whole open office uh phenomenon that that has that taken over and says okay how many people can we cram into a room um but then, so we we've got rid in cubicles. We have that physical office space, but we also have the digital office space. We have to think about um, what does it look like when I when I log in. What tools am I using? Um, how are those tools being distracting me? How are they helping me? What are the the core tools we need to kind of build in in those those skills? So that that's a big topic. I feel like to to really analyze what are the if you just kind of wipe the slate clean how's what's the best way for us to physically work? Uh, What type of setup do we need for that? And what's the best way for us to digitally work? Like what are the, what are the tools that I need to be able to create my own processes to, to create my own task lists, to collaborate? Because um, we kind of got used to a digital workplace became email and Microsoft office for a long time. It was Outlook, Word, uh, Excel and PowerPoint. And that, that was, those were the tools you needed. But then Okay. Email became so powerful and became so strong and everything was email and everything was about email. We started to be able to do everything in your email client. Uh, but then that broke down and we realized that, that that was not helping anyone. And now we're in this stage where it's like, you have apps for everything. You have 20 apps you have to log into every day just to, to get your work done because everything's located on, on different places. So, so as those tools start to consolidate again, what are, what are the, what's the best match? What's the best uh, packaging to, to be able to create a good digital workplace? Um, where people feel good about it and not just that they're bombarded with notifications and messages. Um, like Slack, I love a lot of it, but I can't, I can't stand it for too long. I have to to take breaks from it and turn off my notifications and, and stop listening to things or else it's just chatter so much. Uh, so all the, all these tools we need to think deeply about and figure out how to, how to use better. Right. Um, and so you, you you're managing your Slack, your
0: Slack relationship. Is there, um, is there any, anything else you've sort of discovered in your digital office,
1: your setup that's really working for you? Um, so we, uh, as a team, um, most of what we do and we talked about processes, like we use a tool called Kissflow that lets, lets me as, as not a programmer create my own automated processes and kind of manual processes, which would be like more project management type things. Um, and it's unique because it, it builds those on the same platform. I don't have to log out of one system and log into another one and everyone knows where it's going to be. Or if I want to have a, a a collaboration discussion about something. So that, that's a tool. It's a new one out there. So we're still kind of learning it and figuring out how to, to apply it to what we're doing. But I found like that's been effective. Uh, I feel like it's been effective for me to, to treat email like uh like an actual postal box. So if I'm doing external mails to other people, that that are not part of my company, like then I'll use email. Otherwise, if somebody sends me an email from my company, I, I won't respond to it. I'll get on a different um, platform and, and try to interact with them there. Uh, so that that's been been helpful to try to move away from those platforms and onto to ones that are that are more effective. Right, no,
0: right. Yeah, I've got a, a friend that she's kind of no email. You get her. She's got an autoresponder and says, Hey, <laughs> you <laughs> to read.
1: I, I was. I was talking to somebody and they said that there was, there was, a company that whenever you went on vacation, like the company had an auto responder that went on and said like, you know, Richard is out of the office. He's not responding to emails. He will not get this one. If you need to get in touch with him, this is the date he'll be back. You can contact him then. Like it wasn't like I'll, I'll review these emails. Just like this email is not going to be read by anyone. Um, yeah. So good luck. <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought it was good.
0: Oh there's a no email at all right there's a there's a there's a famous guy uh John cardwell in the u k who set up a big network of uh cell phone stores and he uh banned email completely
1: yeah
0: gotta get on the phone baby
1: <laughs> yeah that that's the thing we, we talked about even before the show is that actually talking with people is is uh a, a lost art. I had a manager for a long time that her her mantra all the time was pick up the phone like talk to that person if there's any issue like do not send them a message do not send them an email do not come to me and tell me that they didn't reply to your email she wouldn't accept that she said get on the phone call them up talk to them and and it it was really good advice and I've, i've kept that
0: yeah absolutely
1: good um
0: so so work minus what's the what's the sort of big the, the big vision with the podcast. What you, what are your, what are your big plans for it? Where are you going to take it? Do you think?
1: I mean, we'd love to just keep expanding it. To, uh, I mean, th- the way I'm seeing it now is, is trying to be like a toolkit for managers, uh, team leaders who are, are moving into the future and say, okay, what's, what's the minimum? What are the topics I need to be conversant about? I feel like it's like the new. These are. This should be like an MBA program of of somebody who's going to be in a, in a leadership position going into the future. They need to be conversant about all these things uh, to know how to be productive, how to set up your office culture to be positive, how to be inclusive of people around you, how to lead people. Um, So I feel like it's it's almost those essentials. Um, We're going to keep interviewing people. We're writing a lot of articles right now. So um, that's been a big theme for us. It's just trying to put more out there uh, in terms of contents. I'd love to see us get to the place where we can actually you know, live out what we're saying in terms of being better humans. And one of those things is getting together physically in the same place. Um, so having events, local events where people can just kind of connect and and share about what they're learning and, and what they're bringing in. So that, that's kind of the the bigger vision for me is, uh, actual local events where people are connecting.
0: Awesome. Well, fantastic. Um, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners or do you do, we, do you feel like you you know it feels to me like you've given us a good uh good kind of tour of, of what you've listened
1: <laughs> yeah no no i i've, I've preached my sermon you, you've heard uh everything from me so i think that that's all workminus.com is where we are uh we try to be active on on other channels mostly linkedin Um, uh, but uh but yeah check it out and uh if anybody we also kind of have a, a private platform where if people are really wanting to get deeper into these things that, that we host those discussions for people to, to share their ideas and things on. Um, so if they're interested in that, they can get in touch with me.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you, Neil, for your time. It's been an honor. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I've said you've certainly particularly helped me with the, with the AI conversation, starting to draw those, con- those distinctions between where that will play a role versus human, or at least the best we can predict it. So, uh,
1: yeah, and I feel like for me, that's that's the big thing. Without the AI, AI piece, all this is just like, yeah, let's it's a little altruistic, like let's be better, let's let's do things better. But for me, it's like, no, it, this is important. Like we have to do this, or else we're not gonna make it. So mm. yeah, thanks for bringing me on. I had a fun time. Good,
0: thank you, thank you, Neil. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again. See you. You too. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.